Um, uh, thank you, Dr. Rod. And thank you, Ignite Life Church. Let me, um, let me just clear off this first tomorrow. Can you please have that? And Dr. Rod, you can have your phone and you can have your iPad and that'll do. We, we, we're doing well here. We're doing well, hey? Hey, um, I, you, I know you haven't seen this space yet. This is the first time that I've been in this space. And I'll tell you, you guys are in for a treat. You guys are in for a treat coming to, uh, coming to back to Ignite Life Church and having spaced out and plenty of room for the kids to run around and everything like that. So um, looking forward to seeing you next time um, I'm able to be here and preach. But uh, Dr. Rod, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. You know, Dr. Rod said that we've been speaking recently about this message and um, it's not just the message. Dr. Rod and I speak every week and he, uh, he takes time out of his busy schedule of plastering and painting and ripping down walls and, <laughs> and takes time out to speak, to speak with me every week. And I feel absolutely honored to have you guys in my life and thank you for Ignite Life Church for welcoming me back as always. So, the topic of today's, I'm just going to hit straight out with it. The topic of today's message is forgiveness. Now, if you want to, if you want to, uh, I suppose, a title for today's message, it's forgiveness. It's bigger than you. And, and like, I'm going to say that again, forgiveness it's bigger than you. Now you're going to, you're going to get this and, uh, and, and it's going to make sense in a moment, but this is a really important topic and it's something that I've actually, I mean, look, I've always got a, um, whenever I, whenever I hear from God of what he feels, what I feel like he wants me to preach, I know it's something that I need to learn or that I've been learning or I've been getting deeper into recently. And, uh, this is, this is just something that's really spoken, spoken to me and a lot of conversations that Dr. Rod and I have had lately have just sort of come up in, in, in conversation. And I really felt this really important to be able to talk about forgiveness. But why forgiveness in this season? Well, obviously, we're, we're well aware of COVID. And I'm having a lot of conversations with business people. And, and, and I know there's lots of people that have lost their jobs and a lot of people that have lost their businesses. And what I'm sensing is there's a lot of unforgiveness being harbored towards China. You know, like people are always really unforgiving towards China. They're harboring unforgiveness towards the government because of the decisions they're making. They're harboring un unforgiveness to a boss or to, to other people walking down the street. They're like everyone else is an enemy. And, and so there's this season where we tend to be sitting in this space of unforgiveness because of this pandemic that's going around. But also that's, that's been kind of, I suppose, amplified with the recent events with George Floyd over in America. And there's unforgiveness towards blacks, towards whites, towards police. Like there's, there's just so much, no matter what side of the fence you, you sit on, there's, there's, or there seems to be this anger and it's all rooted in a lack of forgiveness I believe in. And by the end of today's message, I hope that you'll, you'll be able to get and understand the power of this and, and, and be able to understand how, how you too can, can push through unforgiveness because it's bigger than you. You know what? Um, I've, it's interesting. When, we, when someone has done something that's 
I suppose, unforgivable. Quite often, it's a person in a place of authority or a person in a place of influence. And so it has an even bigger impact on us because, because they themselves, uh, we, we allow them to influence us, us so much. And, and we, we put so much trust and, and faith and belief into those people. You know, I've, I've had, you know, I've harbored unforgiveness for my father for many years, many years ago. I mean, I, I, when I was raised, my father had a bad temper and, and uh, he got physical. And, and so I, for many years, carried unforgiveness for that. I had an ex that I was with for six and a half years and built up, you know, a lot, I worked, worked really hard, built up a lot of property portfolio and everything like that. And, you know, pretty much overnight lost it all to her and she took it all. And, and, and for me, I actually, I harbored a lot of unforgiveness about her because of what she did. She was someone that, that I loved, that I, that, that, I, that I trusted with with everything and she took it all from me. And I harbored a lot of unforgiveness for that. You know, I, I harbored unforgiveness for church leaders. You know, maybe, maybe some of these, I'm just going through these stories because maybe it resonates with you. Maybe there's, maybe you've had a parent, maybe you've had a loved one, maybe you've had, a church leader, maybe you've had, I don't know, someone in business or your boss or something. And, and so the reason why I'm telling you these things is I'm not saying these things because I want to harp, harp on about them. I'm, I'm not here to try, to try to get pity from you about these situations. Actually, that's probably the extent that I'm even going to mention the situations because I believe that unforgiveness or forgiveness is actually bigger than what the situation is. So I don't actually want to talk about the detail of what happened because it's bigger than that. You know, I can't imagine what you've gone through. And, and I just want to say right now that I acknowledge that there are some of us that have been through things that are seemingly unforgivable. There are some people that are really close to us that have done heinous things to us. And please, I, I don't want to minimize your situation. I don't want to take away from, from what was done and, 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 and take away from the fact that, that it was serious. And I'm not, I don't want you to feel like, look, with some of these messages of forgiveness, they can be real judgy, right? They can be real preachy. And I just want you to know I'm not judging you and I'm not preaching at you today. And actually that's part of the reason why, while, while we're leading into this, I asked Dr. Rod and uh, your pastor, Dr. Rod and, and Pastor Jet to come up and uh, join me. Actually guys, can I get you guys to jump up on a stage with me? Um, because what I believe is obviously in our conversations, these guys have been through some pretty horrendous things and come out the other end at, with with forgiveness and uh, like i'm no saint let, let me tell you i am no saint however that being said i <laughs> um jet's just playing the 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 bass behind me <laughs> um but i'm no saint but I don't know why I've just seemed to have come through some pretty serious situations with business partners and, 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 and all the situations like that, where other people will be able to see that I have every right to be unforgiving, but I've been able to carry a lot of forgiveness. And so I just want to, I just want to sort of share from my experience and from Dr. Rodden, Dr. Uh, Pastor, Dr. I'll call you doctor anyway, Pastor, Dr. Rodden, Pastor Jet, like, <laughs> um, through just a conversation because I believe that that the conversation will be really healing for a lot of us. 
Um, the passage that I want to talk about, and I've actually asked uh, Tamara to read the passage for, for two reasons. One, because you're going to hear enough from me. Um, two, it's a big passage and uh, re reading is not my gift. Talking is my gift. Reading is not my gift. Uh, and also, I, I don't think Tamara does enough around here. So I'm going to actually... <laughs> I'm going to get her to read from 1 Samuel 24. So I encourage you, open up your app, Bible apps, or open up your Bible. And I want you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 24. Yes, we're going to read through the whole chapter. Um, but I really felt that this passage really spoke to forgiveness because, like I said, it's often someone of influence or someone that that is uh, like a leader to us or someone above us, someone in authority that tends to do the unforgivable things. And in this situation, it was it was Saul. It was Saul that had done unforgivable things to David. And I think this passage re really represents what David was able to do to exercise forgiveness you know just leading up to this obviously Saul was was David's king Saul was David's mentor um Saul was even David's boss because he worked for him as his, as his harpist so so Saul was his or David's authority and Saul kept him there's a verse that says when David came and worked for uh, for Saul he kept him from visiting his family now I know there's some of us that are like, oh, like my, my boss uses up too much of my time. It doesn't allow me to spend time with my family or spend time with my loved ones. You know what? Saul was insecure and jealous. You know, when, when David came back into the town, all the women were singing and, you know, Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands, you know, and, and Saul got jealous and he got really insecure. I'm sure you've had people that have been threatened by your gifts and talents that, that, that they've done something to hurt you that was somewhat that seemingly unforgivable because it came from a place of insecurity. You know what? Saul even tried to kill David. And I'm not talking about when he sent his armies. We'll get to that. While he was playing a harp, soothing his soul, three times he threw his spear at David. Three times. Actually, one of them was in one situation. He threw twice in one situation. David ducked and got back up and kept playing, and then he threw it again, right? And so that, if that's not showing forgiveness, I don't know what is. But, uh, but he hunts him down. And then after he hunts him down, this is what... He does. So I will pass over to Tamara to, to read this passage. And uh, can I, will she, will that microphone reach for Tamara? I'll get her to do that one because thank you. If Tamara can read from that passage, that would be amazing. And then we'll go into a conversation. Um, so I'm reading from the NIV translation. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert, sorry, desert of ink. Or oh, he was having dessert. Obviously, I've got dessert on my mind. <laughs> um, in G'day. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands. 
for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul, then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Thank you, Tamara, and you can take that um, podium away or do whatever with that podium if you would like. Thank you. You don't know what to do with it. Just too many chords. So as Dr. Pastor Dr. Rod is doing that, um, obviously, as you can see, there's the, David has this opportunity to be able to kill the guy that's pursuing him. No, no, leave that baby because that's got the camera on it. <laughs> um, my wife has jumped up in the background to try to save, save things as well. Um, you know, and obviously I mentioned all these things that King Saul had done to David leading up to this and he had every right, had every right to kill him. There's even a verse that says that uh, the Lord promised to deliver your enemy into your hands. And he didn't take that opportunity to seek revenge. And so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about today. Um, I, I want to talk about, you know, first of all, why we should forgive. Then I want to go into how to forgive. And then a nice little ending of like when to forgive, you know, like because that's actually really important. So, um, 
first of all, I mean, there's, there's three points and I got so much stuff to talk about. So many, so many things in here that I could do it all without you guys. Like as in, I could fill up the time with just the things I got to talk about. So I don't know whether we're going to cover everything, but um, I, I suppose the first question is why do we forgive? And for me, the thing that comes out of this scripture is in uh, verse 12. Let me, let me go back to verse 12. Uh, where he says, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. And then verse 15, May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. The first point of why we should forgive is although on the movie Judge Dread, that's going back that's going back a while ago, where where the police are actually um, judge, jury and executioner, we're not. And I think that that's probably the, 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 I really wanted to hit it up. Like, why should we forgive? Because we're not the ones that should be judging. We're not the one that should be seeking the vengeance. We're not the ones that should follow through and make, make them pay. Because in here, David, the, the first thing David did was, well, no, no, let the Lord judge. There's one big verse that's always been my, my, I mean, go-to when someone does something wrong by me is Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Like, j- j- like leave it to me. Vengeance is my part. And I'll always leave it over to him because forgiveness is bigger than me and forgiveness is bigger than you. Um, Dr. Rod and Pastor Jep, why do you believe we should forgive? Because it's good for us. At the end of the day, harboring unforgiveness only makes us sick. And um, I can give you a good example. We, we had a neighbor many, many years ago when we were living in Christchurch. She was an older person, but she just had unforgiveness against just about everybody in her world. She was one of those persons who for whatever reason, had become really embittered. Mm-hmm. And I remember after we got to know her a little bit, and um, we tried to look after a little bit as a neighbour, and, and um, we used to trim a hedge and so on and so forth. Uh, but she still got pretty cranky with us uh, at times, and because uh, we didn't trim the hedge right, or it was the wrong, the wrong height or something like that. And, and I used to think to myself, unfortunately she would die of cancer or a stroke or something like that. And she did. And so I think there's enough evidence around us to, to, for us to know that the person who gains most from forgiveness, it's me. Yeah, it's good. It's like that old saying of, um, what is it? It's like uh, unforgiveness is like, drinking a cup of poison and hoping that the other person dies, <laughs> right? It's really that. Pastor Jet, tell me, why, from your perspective, should we forgive? Well, God insists that we do. Hang on a second. There we go, Ains. Yep. Are we... Is that on? Yeah, just all. Is that on? I'll just let Maybe. This okay. <laughs> um, hang on. 
God insists that we forgive and also it lightens our heart when we when we um, forgive and I don't want to die of some stupid disease over something someone did to me a long time ago yeah and I like Rod I've seen people who have unforgiveness and it's like they're locked up and the word actually says that they are they've been tormented and hoping that this person may forgive them or I mean, not forgive, but be sorry for what they've done. And even if they were, you know, it's not enough. It's never enough. And I really feel it, it puts walls around us so we can't move forward in the things of God and we're stuck and we're, we're poisoning ourselves. Yeah, that's good. I, um, I mean, here's, here's the thing that... Um, I mean, we know the Lord's Prayer, right? We've heard the Lord's Prayer a thousand times, hopefully more than that. Hopefully you've said it at least a thousand times in your lifetime. But it pretty much says, forgive those so that I can receive forgiveness. Because it's, here's the thing, it's not that God won't forgive. I mean, let, let me pass it over. Like, what's that statement? Like, because it, it's, for me, it's like, it's not that God won't forgive in that moment is the fact that we can't receive because we're holding on. That's true. Um, so that lead, leads me to the, like, the, the next point of why we should forgive. And this is actually, can, can we be honest? I went through a season where I just don't, didn't like people. You know, like that whole thing of business is perfect without, without yeah, season. It's, it's, it's a daily battle. Um, so like I, I even, and I remember when I, when I was uh, planning the church campus that I was, I was just focused on doing the church. I'm just like, ah, oh, people just frustrate me. And I had, had a leader. I can't remember actually who it was. I don't know whether it was one of you two, maybe. I actually feel like it was possibly one of you oh. two. <laughs> well, I'm getting really interested in this story now. <laughs> the, the, I actually think it was when I was living with you guys and I mentioned, I can't remember which one it was, but one of you said, yeah, it was probably Jet, that said, well, you can't love God if you don't, don't love his people. Yeah. So tell me about that, Jet. Like, what, what, like... Um, I interviewed you, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, do you know that God has lots of children, not just us? And sometimes our relationship is very one way. Yep. And it's like God and me, Jesus and me. And you know, we forget about the rest of the family members. And, you know, in order to get God's best for us, and I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me because I know it's good. I don't want to miss out on anything. And... I don't want to lock you up in prison because one day you tripped me up. Oh, that's good. I yeah. don't want that for you. Mm. And, and I don't want somebody to do that to me. I don't want someone to lock me up in unforgiveness and hurt and lack of love because one day I pushed them mm. and I might've been playing or I did something and accidental. Mm. You know, I, I just don't think it's fair. You know, I don't want to be stuck where I am. Yeah. 
in that place because someone won't forgive me. Praise God. You know, he forgave me, but you know, we also need one another's forgiveness. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Like we need Jesus' forgiveness, but, yeah, but we, yeah, need, we need to receive you know, each other's move forgiveness. On, move yeah. on. I mean, First uh, Samuel 24, verse 6. So, so in the same passage, um, so David had just cut off the hem of Saul's garment, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, he said to his men, the Lord forbid me that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. It, it, see, he, he's going, well, I love my Lord and my Lord loves Saul, so I, I shouldn't do anything to harm him. So, Pastor Dr. Rod, um, there's, there's this verse in the, like, uh, when talking about forgiveness, Peter denied Jesus three times in front of Jesus, like, like denied him, right? Like, and, and, and that's, that's pretty, pretty unforgivable, actually. But they talk about the unpardonable sin is, is denying Christ pretty much, you know, like denying his spirit. Like, so Peter almost did this undeniable thing. And yet when Jesus next spoke to him, he asked him those three times. He reconciled him. Like you actually look in the NIV where, where it has a little title on it. It's like the reconciliation of Peter. It's, it's the forgiving of Peter. And he turns around to him and says, do you love me? And do you love me? Do you love me? And what, it, what Jesus says to him, then he says, well, look after my, feed my lambs, look after my sheep, feed my sheep. And so for us to be a true disciple of Jesus, it, we, we are called to really love those and, and care for those people because that's who the sheep are. The, the, the whole universe, whole universe, everyone on this planet is God's sheep. You know, the Bible always refers to them as sheep. How do you find, feel that we could execute that love for God's creation, that care for his sheep and his lambs? And I like the, the, the reference of lambs and sheep because lambs means the immature because there's some people that we deal with that are immature. Now, they may be immature in life or maybe immature in wealth or maybe immature in faith or whatever, as well as the sheep, the mature ones. How... How do you care for and love those those people that God has actually called you to shepherd? That actually is a very interesting question. Can I come back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've, I've had this experience probably three or four times in my life. The, the first was actually when I was university lecturer. And there's a little bit of a tradition in universities to actually really want the students to go away. They're a bit of a nuisance. <laughs> they have questions and, you know, you've got to prepare lectures when what you really want to be doing is your research and going to conferences and writing and those kinds of things. And um, I, I remember I had a, a class that wasn't doing well. Uh, about 25% of the students were dropping out um, between the first day and the last day of the, the term. And about 35% of the students were actually failing. So, you know, that's more than half the class who weren't succeeding. And um, God said to me once, he, he said, I want you to love your students. And I thought, well, oh, that's a bit novel, isn't it? <laughs> that's a bit novel. And um, I, I realized that I'd fallen, I was just falling into line with everyone else in the system. 
And um, I had a little bit of long service leave. I took about four weeks long service leave. And while Jeanette and the girls were asleep, I used to sneak into my office up at the university and I totally rewrote that particular subject. New textbook, everything I, I did afresh. And I had a lot of input from a really good friend of mine, another Christian guy who was working at that university at the same time. And uh, we turned that thing around so that there were no dropouts. The only people who ever dropped out were women who got pregnant and had um, complications. And I'm, I'm not joking. And uh, the failure rate came down to around about 10 to 12%. And by and large, it was the students who didn't engage. So that was a, a deserved outcome, if you know yep. what I mean. And uh, just because God spoke to me and said, love your students, I actually changed the outcomes for them in, in that unit. And most of the time, I don't think Jeanette or the girls knew I wasn't at home in the night while I was doing my long service leave. But a much more recent, uh, a much more recent experience was with Ignite Life Church. Because as all of you guys know, I've got a real heart for business and I want to minister to Christians in business, especially those Christians in business who are not also in church. And I want to encourage them to become engaged with their local church, a Bible teaching, Bible believing local church. And uh, Ignite Life Church comes along and I'm looking around, well, Lord, where's all these business people? And I'm thinking, well, actually at that time we didn't have any. Um, we had certainly some with, with great ambitions and, and um, praise the Lord, we've been um, praying. But, you know, God said to me, look, he said, can you love the people I send you? And I said, yes. But it's this thing about, you know, you get, you, you're talking about being task oriented. You can get so focused on the vision and it can be a good vision that God has placed in your heart that the vision itself becomes more important. And uh, God says, can you love the people I send you? Well, just in case you're wondering, I can. And I do. Okay, so don't don't shut your computers down. <laughs> but um, you know, sometimes you know God just pulls you up, eh? Yeah. Because you're not actually exercising His kind of love. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you got something to say, Jet? Yeah, I do. When you finish. No, I'm finished. I've I've so taken can up you more. Just than... say your question mm. again to make sure. Because Rod talked too long and she's forgotten what <laughs> I was. How, how do you, how do you? Like, let's, let's be honest. How do you love people that don't deserve the love? That you... Okay, so um, a few things. Number one, God laid down his life. Mm. And that's number one. Um, number two, as in love and how, what as leaders, you know, that come in under the wing, which is really the wing of God and where, um, co-caring it's loving but also being really really careful what we speak mm. over the people um, not limiting their their future or their identity by by what we think say or to how we treat them because God loves them and we love them and I want the best for my people I'll tell you a little story Years ago, someone made a comment to me about someone that was in their congregation. And I thought, oh, okay. And 
I knew both parties and I went, okay. But I found that that person who was spoken in a negative way was unable to break free. Mm. And that is scary because I saw this person as a very godly person, but it was like there was a, a barrier that they could not step over. And it was because someone that was over them blocked, limited, spoke something really wrong about them. Mm. And, you know, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, and just the last, oh, I think it was a fortnight ago, God said to me, I want you to fix that. Yeah. And I went, God, let me cause no harm. Yeah. Let me love my people. I do greatly. So we love good. our people. You know, they're, but, you know, we want to see people flourish. Mm. And nothing that we do hinders, but, you know, we always want to promote. Yeah. I think what you say there, you mentioned about that someone put a limiting word over them and that they felt limited. Yeah, and They didn't know. Or they didn't know. No. Um, see, it, that kind of leads to, to probably my third point of why we should forgive. Oh, and no, no, that's okay. That's okay. We can speak truth here. That's fine. I can still, I can still link it no matter what. I'll find a way to link it. Don't you worry, Buzzard, yet. Um, th that, that limited, like someone else placed a limit over that person. Um, and we can live in a place of scarcity, right? In a, in a place of, you know, like this whole, whole thing of scarcity versus abundance. And my last point of why we should forgive is we just have to trust God. Because we often, when we are harboring unforgiveness, it's because we have a limited mindset. It's because we feel like there's not enough to go around. That that person that did whatever it was to me have taken something from me and now I'm never going to have that. Now I'm never going to have access to this. Now I'm ever going to have... And there's this... Um, uh, not a Bible teacher, but Simon Sinek, great, le great leadership authority. He talks about um, his latest thing that he talks about with leadership is a finite mindset versus an infinite mindset. And I just absolutely love it that, that so many of us, when we get caught in unforgiveness, we get caught up in that finite, like this is what happened just now. And they just took something from me, whether it was time, whether it was money, whether it was love, whether it was, you know, a property, whether whatever it was, they took something from me and we get caught up in this finite moment because it goes back to that first thing, like vengeance is mine that I mentioned that, that Jesus said vengeance is mine. You know, forgiveness is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. And, and when we get caught up in that finite mindset right now, we can in that moment think that we're losing out. But Proverbs, so, okay. So in, in the passage in verse four, um, it says, uh, um, the Lord spoke when he said, I will give your enemies to your hand and for you to deal with, with however you wish, right? But then you go to verse 19 and verse 19, he says, um, when a man, but when man finds an enemy, let him uh, get away unharmed. May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. Like it was, it was prophesied or it was, it was predicted that you'll get your way. And in the end, Saul turns around to David and says, well, let the Lord reward you 
right? The guy that was persecuting him. And so we need to trust that God will do the, the abundance. Like Proverbs 2, 7 says, he holds success in store for the upright. He, he's a shield. Uh, he shields the blameless. Because what we're trying to change, we were like, I want this. And that's a finite mindset. But if we can get an abundance mindset or an infinite mindset of our God, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than what we feel like we just missed out on that hundred dollars that that person stole from us or, or a job that someone took from us or a, whatever it may be. It's bigger than that. So actually I'm going to get, I'm going to lead into my second point of like leading from what now I, mean, I hope we've laid a foundation actually before I move on. Do you guys believe that there's anything else we should add to why we should forgive? We've mentioned that we're not the judge or executioner. Um, that if we're to love God, we need to love creation, and we need to we need to trust that God has a bigger plan for us. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? Um, I'm reminded of Galatians six nine. So do not weary of doing good, even though you know I'll add in there, even if they don't deserve it. You know, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Do not oh, that's give up. Good. And you know, I feel that sometimes I calculate. Yes. Sometimes I calculate. You keep score. No, no, I don't keep score as in I say, if you think what you've done to me is gonna rob me of my blessing, forget it. I'm oh, forgiving you like that. That's good. <laughs> you know? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's coming. Maybe not in our time that we want, but it's coming. Josh Rod, you're about to... Oh, the only thing I, I would, would um, offer is that forgiveness is a spiritual law. Go for it. So the way the universe exists, mm -hmm. uh, forgiveness is, is just one of those spiritual laws. It's like the law of physics. You know, an apple will fall from the tree and it will hit the ground. And similarly, it is with forgiveness. If you don't forgive, you will suffer. Yeah. If you do forgive, you will experience freedom. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Great. So, um, because it is bigger than you. That's dead right. Is, Absolutely. Forgiveness is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. There is something bigger in play. So how do we forgive? Because this is really important that we've like, now we've laid a foundation of why, but how, how, because let's, let's be practical about it. I've, I, I've got three points here, which I, which I feel is ways in which we can forgive. But my number one is we need to rise above the situation we have to rise above the situation because that that finite versus infinite uh process that i was speaking about before right now we if we are harboring unforgiveness it's because we are caught in the situation they did this but but you don't understand but i could have had this and but like like and we get caught up in that situation it's first Samuel 24, five, six. Um, afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid me that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed and lift my hand against him for he is the Lord's anointed. See, he's rising above it because he's, he's looking at, at Saul, not because not as someone that is trying to kill him. 
he's not looking at Saul as this is the guy that threw a spear at me. This is the guy who stopped me from seeing my parents. This is, this is like, he's, he's rising above the situation saying, well, you know what? This is the Lord's anointed arising above the situation because it's bigger than he knew it was bigger than him. So how would you suggest that we rise above a situation because it's so easy to get caught up in it? <laughs> I'll let you be Jesus. The opportunity to go first. I, I find it hard to, to, to answer a question like that, except to say you've got to actually practice forgiveness. Oh, that's good. And um, look, I, I've had a really blessed life. The, the truth is, you know, I wasn't abused when I was growing up. I've, I've never really had dreadfully traumatic things happen to me. So I recognise that there are many people who have been through circumstances where forgiveness is a very, very difficult thing. I've probably only had two instances in my life where forgiveness has come really hard in the sense that there really was something to forgive. And I actually think in a lot of circumstances, what we're forgiving is really quite trivial. But when it's something which affects our lives, mm. then it's quite hard to forgive. So when there really is something to forgive, that's what I think it's hardest. But that's also why I think we need to practice forgiveness so that it actually becomes part of our way of doing life because if it is part of our way of doing life when there really is something to forgive when there's some wrong which has done great damage to you then you will actually find it easier to forgive and that process i think will take less time because forgiveness is often a process that it's not something which necessarily happens instantaneously so I, I would say the best advice I can give is to practice forgiveness so that it actually becomes part of the way you operate as a human being. Oh, that's really good. I said, Jeff? Uh, two things. Ask God to help you. Oh, that's good. And he yeah. does and ask him to heal you mm -hmm. of the damage. But there's another thing. I'm an eagle. I'm not going to. I'm not going to squabble Ooh. over scraps off the floor with the chickens. So yeah. it's That's not, really good. you know, I've, I've been saved from that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fishmonger yep. fighting over fish scraps <laughs> or stinky fish. You know, he's lifted me up here and I'm going to try and stay up here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. My, my second, my second um, point that I have of, of how we should forgive it, it comes down to one word, empathy. And it's something that we as humans is, unfortunately is not our first response. We're very selfish people. It's like, I'm thinking about myself and it kind of, although it's my second point, it sort of follows on from rising above the situation. How I rise above the situation is through empathy. You know, everyone has their own battles. You, do, you don't know what that person has just gone through that day. 
you don't know what their husband did to them their wife did to them you don't know what like happened on the like you you don't know what happened on their way to work you don't know what what meeting they just came out of and so having empathy to understand that everyone's going through their own battles you with this situation with Paul and uh, Saul and David not that Saul the other Saul um he um you, earlier on in first Samuel it says that Saul was troubled by a spirit it says says that the spirit of the Lord had uh, departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him and so that's why actually David ended up starting working for him because it was the only way he could be soothed by that. And so I believe that we really need to rise up with empathy. What's your take on empathy and how we can practice exercise empathy? Sometimes people, you know, the spirit of God would have helped Saul do his job. Spirit of God leaves. He's king. How's he going to do his job? Yeah. He would have been struggling, threshing around like a fish. And empathy is, is that sometimes people are in the wrong place and oh, they're struggling yep. to do what they need to do. And, you know, God gives us, supernaturally gives us the th fruit of the spirit and that love. You know, God gives us that love to do it. Yeah. Supernatural. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a number of situations. Like I've been through a, a lot of situations where people will find out what someone had done to me, and they can't believe what like that I'm that I'm still supporting that person, or I'm still defending that person, or I'm still you know like like I'm not bitter about it. And and it was for me, you said it, like they're not in the right position. That a lot of the times I will then have to now. I have to admit, it's not my instant response. I do go into a couple of days of unforgiveness, maybe sometimes a couple of weeks, maybe sometimes a couple of months. Like, but, but how I actually get out of it is I, I start thinking about them and going, hold on a second, that person is just operating outside of their gifting and that they've just become insecure or they're, they're failing because they're outside of their gifting or you know what, that person is, is really good at this. You know, and, and, and we, it's really important for us to put ourselves in that, those, that person's shoes. Or oh, that person is just, their business is struggling and they've got a family to feed and they're just focused on that at the moment. It makes us so, it makes us so much easier for us in that moment to, to if we can put ourselves in, those, in their shoes, it then allows, that's what empathy is, is like, how can I put myself in their shoes? Because it's, it's another way of like, this is bigger than me. This is, if, if that's, that's how you expand yourself by, by going, I'm going to put myself in their shoes and, and realize, hold on a second, they're going through stuff too. Dr. Roddy, you, you look like you had something to say. Well, you know me, I'm a university lecturer. I've always got <laughs> something to say. <laughs> Whoops, there go my glasses again. Look, um, I, I would have to say, in my earlier days as a, as a Christian, I probably didn't have a lot of empathy. Yep. And I can remember being in leadership meetings, you know, thumping the table and you ought to do this, you ought to do that, they shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah, blah. However, as I've had an opportunity to grow to a level of maturity in my faith, I think I've come to understand that a lot depends on 
how mature we are in the faith. Yeah. Maturity in the faith is something that comes with time. Yeah. And, uh, and just experience. So I, I think the longer I've been a Christian, probably the more humble I am about, if you like, the state of my own walk. And I think that helps me, as it were, put myself in other people's shoes. And um, so I, w- I would say that I'm a much more empathetic person than I was. I've also done a lot of reading in this area, particularly because of my interest in leadership and management. And so I've learned about empathy. Yeah. And that has helped me, I think, to actually exercise it. It's really good. Now, tell me then, empathy. Empathy's weakness, right? Like, that, like that's what the world would say, that, oh, well, you've got to be strong and, and not care about other people. Tell me about, is, it, is that strength? Is it weakness? What's your perspective on that? Well, I guess it's one of those things that the Lord would call foolishness. Yeah. It's one of those things which can seem foolish to a person who's living in the world who doesn't have a daily walk with, with Jesus Christ. Because, yes, it can come across as as weakness um and so a lot of leaders in business in particular particularly those who have a tendency towards narcissism they don't have any empathy they are totally focused on whatever kpis key performance indicators they've been given mm-hmm. and for other people sometimes pastors in churches they are so committed to the vision that they believe god has given them that all that matters is the vision and um, any any of their individuals who is not totally signed up to the vision and not working towards the vision is, in a sense, not worthy having them spend time on them or time with them. And that's not just theory. Um, I know of cases where churches have fallen apart because of, no, it's my phone, because of that kind of leadership. Is that a timing? Is we got to end now? No, it's someone trying to ring me. <laughs> Um, it could be the Prime Minister. I've been expecting his call any day. <laughs> anyway, um, now I lost my thread totally. Sorry, Craig. Leadership. Oh, yes. Yeah. Strength, empathy, strength, weakness. Yeah. So I think, I think it's when, when you as a leader become so focused on something other than the people that God mm. has brought around you, that's when you lose empathy. And... Um, you know, we've got to be careful we don't build a church on what we're not going to do. But one of the things I'm not going to do is come to the church at the beginning of every year with a vision for the year and say, well, here it is. And that's now your job to fall in line with that vision. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, I think God does speak to us often. And what's happened in our own church is that God has given us a word each year. But that's a little bit different to having the head honcho pass to get this vision and then say to everybody, will you fall in the line? Um, I, I, Cause I think that develops an environment in which empathy is lacking. Yeah. So like, I, I would consider empathy a strength. Like, like if you exercise empathy, I've seen it time and time again is it has actually strengthened me. And even if you just view it as a strength, and it may drive you to just be better at at empathy if you view it in that way. It's just not a weakness. Um, I think that a really, really gifted leader and manager 
grows people around them. And sometimes that requires empathy. Yeah. You know, um, they know what's going on in people's lives because people trust them. Yeah. And they're willing to sit and listen. And, you know, they're able to move people into their giftings and not, you know, not their weaknesses. You know, some bosses think, I'll put you in your weakness and make you work. Mm. And that's, you know, sometimes, yes, I think God does stretch us. And, he, you know, sometimes it is. But I think that there needs to be empathy for the people who you you were with that and sometimes that means they get to kick you yes <laughs> and that's not nice no one likes to be kicked you know they don't no no and it's it's really important for us to be able to forgive to be able to have empathy a story that i have that actually really typifies where i was able to it was actually almost a turning point for me when i realized that i can actually forgive people um I used to be really bad with road rage, really bad with road rage. I had a bat in my car that would come out regularly. I would, I would pull people over. I would like, I was, I would stop in the middle of the highway. If someone was following me too closely, like literally I would just keep slowing down, slowing down until I came to a stop. Um, this was my BC days. Um, and, and then, when I, when I found myself back at church again and in relationship with God, I'm like, this is not right. I can't do this because it's harboring unforgiveness for this person. Right. And, and one thing that I, that I did was I then turned around and it leads me into my next point. It's kind of a combination of both empathy, empathy and my next point was I would just turn around and rather than cursing them out, I would bless them. And my third point is repay good, repay evil with good. You know, Luke 6 says, love your enemies as you would love, as you want them loving yourself. Like love your enemies, right? Love your enemies. And then later on, he goes on to say, like, yes, obviously you can love the people that love you, but even the sinner does that. Anyone can love someone who does good by them. But the true test is, are you loving a person who is your enemy? And are you doing good by them? Are you, and I mean, there's, and I, got, I got a list. I'm not going to go through them, but I got the list of all these verses through the Bible where it says, when someone's donkey falls down, when your enemy's donkey falls down, pick them up. When, when your neighbor takes your jacket, give him your shirt, like all this stuff, like, like repay evil for good. And like Dr. Rob was saying before, it's a practice when we actually get into this. And it was literally when I was driving in my car and someone would cut me off or someone was pushing me behind, it would just became a habit of mine to turn around and go, oh, bless them, Lord. And not just, oh, bless their kind heart and like inside of me going, right? It was, I truly want to bless them. And I went into that, the empathy side of maybe they're running late for work. Maybe they've just, maybe they're running to an emergency. Maybe their wife is in hospital. Maybe like, you know, so I, I wanted to repay good, evil for good, um, repay good for evil, sorry, um, because it's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. Dr. Rod, Pastor Jet. I've got something to say. Give it. <laughs> um, you know, 
when we engage with evil or bad or things cut us off or whatever, you know, I feel like a goalkeeper and I'm thinking, you know, evil will always escalate, you know, so what starts off is just that can get worse. And, but God, and God once spoke to me about that. He said, don't, don't, don't go into um, paying evil for evil because the people you engage with have no limit. So you can cut them off, they'll shoot you, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> you know? And also, you know, like I'm the goalkeeper for God. So it stops here. I'm going to do kindness because that's what he did for us. Yeah, in um, that passage in verse 13, it says, uh, as the old saying goes, from evildoers, which actually comes from, where else does that come from? Uh, from evildoers comes evil deeds. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so he got, David says, I won't let my hand touch you because, because if I do evil, that makes me evil, yeah. you know, and you don't want to no get caught limit. up in that. There's no limit, you know? Escalates, yeah. Dr. Rod, repaying good for evil. I don't think I have anything to add, believe it or not. And back to Genesis 1. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how do we forgive? Number one, we need to rise above the situation. How do we rise above the situation? By having empathy that goes beyond ourselves, empathy of that, of what that person is doing in that situation. And when we can actually have that true empathy, we can then repay good for evil. And I don't know which comes first, the empathy or the repaying. I, I think that, that they almost go hand in hand. I think that one triggers the other, that if you're struggling with empathy, find something good to say or do about that person. You know, I, I've been so many times I will defend a person who's done really wrong by me. And the more I defend them, the more I can feel that forgiveness like rising up in me and, and then that, that unforgiveness that I'm harboring sort of be released and that tension, anxiety and stress. And it kind of leads me to that, to that next one of when to forgive when to forgive. Now, in our conversation the other night, Dr. Rowe, when we were talking about this, uh, you had a really good point about this. Is So Lamentations 3.22 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. I, this sort of leads me... I mentioned that I had had an ex that did wrong by me and, and pretty much set me back to zero after working my pretty much my entire adult life to build up an asset base and, and to actually build my build success for me. I end up with nothing and I, I harbored unforgiveness towards her for many, 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 many years. And then I was sitting, it was actually my first ever church service back in, in a church after probably almost 10 years. And the pastor at the time was telling the story about forgiveness and told a story about the bathtub. And they said, um, the having a bath, you, I don't know if you've ever had, I don't know if you've had a bath lately, um, but uh, hopefully you've had showers, but I don't know if you had a bath lately, but you know that when you hop out of a bath, if, if you leave that water in there, it leaves that little bit of a dirty line around the edge of the bath. And, and if you jump in the next day and have a bath again in that same water, it's just going to get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier that 
at at a certain point you're not you're you're literally not going to be able to get clean the soap that you're putting on yourself is not going to do anything actually think about that there's a bible verse that says that you, you the 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 perfumes and and things won't be able to get rid of the stench because like the water is so dirty and I believe that forgiveness is like that, that it needs to be a daily thing that at the end of the day, we need to pull the plug and just let all that stuff drain out every single day. We can't harbor it. We can't keep it on. But I actually, like after our conversation the other day, Dr. Rod, it actually gave me a different perspective of this daily thing is it's not just at the end of the every day, I need to unforgive. I need to forgive everything that happened that day. It's, I find myself having to forgive that same thing almost every day that I'm carrying around. And it is a daily thing that it's, it's a journey. It's not just, I, I'm going to forgive today and I'm good tomorrow. No, you'll see the person, you'll see a post for them on Facebook or, or you'll, or you'll, you'll think about, or you'll go to pay something. You don't have enough money. And then you think back on that thing that if only I had this money. And so it's a journey. I'm not saying I want you to forgive right now and bang, you're going to be completely free of this. It is a journey. And there's still things that those people have done for me, but I say that I've forgiven these people and I have, I've moved on, but there's every now and then something will rise up and I'll be like, and I'm like, okay, I need to forgive again. Dr. Do you want to take us further on that, that journey of unforgiveness? Yeah, I think often it is a, it is a journey and it's something we have to practice daily. I was mentioning a little earlier that if you've really got something to forgive, that's when it's hardest. And I can remember quite a few years ago, Jeanette and I were going out to a function. This was back in the days when I was a famous radio announcer, had my own country gospel radio program. (laughs) Or we were invited to go to the launch of a CD. And um, it was in the evening and we had to drive about 80 kilometres, I think, from home. We were going over a bridge and suddenly... The Lord said, you've got to forgive Bill. Now, most of you probably don't know Bill. I know Bill. He was my boss at the time. And I, I had for a period of about two and a half years, my absolute dream job. And uh, for a whole range of reasons, I was replaced in that job by somebody else. And uh, I'd actually thought I'd forgiven because I knew all this stuff about forgiveness. By then, I'd been a Christian for about 20 odd years or, or longer. And I didn't even know there was still a little tiny bit of harboring of unforgiveness. And uh, it wasn't until that night when we were, we were engaged in something we were wanting to bless this person who had a new CD being released officially that night. And God just says, you've got to forgive Bill. And uh, I shared that with Jeanette and she said, well, so as we were driving, I just said, I forgive Bill. And, and it's amazing because some years later, Bill contacted me. In, mm. I was in a different job, in a different environment because he needed my help. With a, with a, it was a, um, a management matter. It wasn't personal help, but he needed my help. And so I said, sure, because there was no problem with me relating to this man anymore because that forgiveness had gone. But it was something that I had to practice. Just saying it once wasn't enough. Yeah. So I had to get to the point where there was truly 
a spiritual transaction. Mm. Uh, and when the spiritual transaction came, it was done. Yeah. But it took a long time. And as I said, since then, we've reconnected over a management matter. And um, we had a great meeting, a really, really good meeting. And, and so there's so much value in, in forgiveness. And if I can just quickly relate, adding to the story of David, and we talked about this the other night, don't forget, you guys, that when King David was running from Saul, Saul took David's wife, who was Saul's daughter, Michael, and married her off to another man. Right? So you, David had an awful lot of reasons for killing Saul, not the least of which was he took away his wife and married her off to someone else. But he didn't. And certainly nothing like that's ever happened in my life. So I think if David can, can forgive something like that, the least I can do is to forgive those occasions in which someone has wronged me. But folks, when you've really got something to forgive, just simply saying, I forgive, often isn't enough. You do have to repeat it because, you know, Jesus' advice was 70 times 7. Yeah. Now, 7 is a number of perfection or completeness in the Bible. How often do you forgive? 70 times 7, which basically means as often as you need to mm. until that deep, deep spiritual transaction has taken place. And there's seven days in a week. So maybe Jesus was saying you need to forgive 70 times a day, seven days a week, for, just for one thing, 70 times. <laughs> I think that we have an enemy and he wants us to think that it's not working. And I think sometimes forgiveness can be like an onion, you know, it's layer upon layer upon layer. And don't give up. Don't think this is not working because it, it is working. You know, you don't give up. You keep forgiving and and being healed. Mm. You know, it's like the onion. One layer, next layer, oh, next layer. And because sometimes there are actually layers of hurt, it's yeah. not often one thing. It, you know, there are many layers. Oh, that's good, yeah. Because it's not just the one thing that they did. Like, yeah. there was one thing yeah. that they did, but there's so many things that Times, happened in yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's worth it on your journey and... If you ever need prayer for it, we're very open. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to, we understand it's not, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm still carrying, like, I'm still on the journey with some things. Like, yeah. you know, even just over a smoothie, like, my wife is laughing. I bought a smoothie on the way here and they gave me a really small straw and I couldn't drink the smoothie. The smoothie was too small. And then so I was so frustrated because my tongue was sore because I was sucking too much on this thing and nothing was coming through and uh, even have to forgive like daily. Like oh, it took me probably about 15 minutes. And I'm, yes, I'm driving to talk about forgiveness. And I'm like, I can't believe that they gave me this straw, right? <laughs> it's, it's a daily thing. It, it is a journey. Um, I, I want to, I want to go back to, to one thing to sort of end this off. I, I, actually, I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish off in a moment. Um, but what next? You know, like once we've forgiven, there's one question that so many people say. Okay, so if I've forgiven them, does that mean I need to stay? Does that like they're because some people that are in an abusive relationship, I've forgiven them and I forgive them every time. 
Does that mean I need to stay? Sometimes we're in an abusive workplace environment. Should I stay? You know, like sometimes I'm like, like in a place or like, should I stay? What's your thoughts about the, like, is it, have you, is, because some people will argue that, well, you're not, you're, you haven't really forgiven if you can't stay there. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I read a great book by a psychologist, Christian psychologist. His name's Kevin Lehman. And it was called How to Have a New Husband by Friday. Now, don't ask me why I read that book. Um, but one of the points he makes in that book, if you're in a, uh, an abusive situation, he keeps saying, leave the chump. American expression, I guess, C-H-U-M-P. But um, I, I, I absolutely agree with, with you, Craig, that you need to remove yourself from a situation which is continually abusive. Um, you know, you do, you do your best in a marriage, but there are some, some occasions when it has to end. Similarly with a, a workplace relationship, if, if you have a narcissistic boss, the, the behavior is repeated time and time and time again, and you become miserable in your job, You've still got the joy of the Lord, but you're miserable in your job. I think it is okay to remove yourself from that situation. It's not okay not to forgive, but it is okay to remove yourself from that situation. How do we then manage the difference between, how do I say this? Um, now you've said that I can leave. You're now giving me an excuse to run from any situation. Like, how do you balance that? Well, that's one of the difficult things in life, isn't it? Because I don't think you'll find a Bible verse that you can cling to that says this is the time to go. So what I would say is that's, that's when your relationship with the Holy Spirit really matters. And again, this is the thing of practice. Practice to hear and to obey. Hear and obey. And I think both Craig and I have got testimonies, of workplace testimonies, where we've been in situations where actually going to work has been a miserable experience where there has been a need to forgive, but where God hasn't said, today is the day you go. Mm. And uh, in our own conversations, I think we've, we've related to one another experiences where after a lot of prayer, we got to the point where God said, now is the time to go. And I, I've had this experience myself where I was in a situation which was getting more and more difficult by the day and when I prayed God said he didn't say leave he said be ready mm. and it was months after I'd heard be ready that finally he said now is the time and when I look back it was the perfect timing but did I have a Bible verse for that no I didn't what I had was a relationship with the Holy Spirit. What I, what, what I hear there is real wisdom, right? Because so many people are like, well, God told me to leave. Uh, I, many times, God won't actually tell you to up and leave right away. You heard, get ready. And sometimes maybe if you're hearing it's time to leave, doesn't mean leave now. It's like prepare yourself because that's wisdom. Prepare yourself financially. Prepare your CV prepare your friends and family, like whatever relationship you like prepare. Often there's, there's a time for preparation first, not just 
leaping. Now, there are some situations that you just need to get out of, but there are other times where there's wisdom prevails. But I actually, I just want to talk about like very much a, a, like we've mentioned about work situations. Um, when God does say prepare, there's one thing that's really served me well in it goes back to the empathy and the rising above the situation. I still have to have forgiveness in that situation, but no, I'm going to leave, but I still give myself and I still gave myself a hundred percent to that position, to that role, because we are still committed to that position. We're still committed to that boss, that manager, that leader, no matter how much, how poorly they may be treating us. We have made a commitment that, and so we should follow through and we shouldn't just do a half-hearted job because that's us as Christians. That's we should rise above. Jet, you look, Pastor Jet, you look like you're about um, to say something. I think that we work for God. doesn't matter what you do. Oh, that's good. You work for God and you're receiving a wage to do that job and you should do it to, like Craig says, you need to do it over and above. And not only if you, you know, we're actually called to take the high ground. Mm. And we have value. And um, you can't be in a situation where you're being devalued. And God knows that also. So he'll be fighting for you also. And sometimes God will extend grace to somebody and allow them to change. But then there comes a time when it's like, no, no more. That's it. You, you're to leave. But, all you know, we are really are called to take the high ground so, you know, you have to be the better person because we belong to God and he enables us and he actually rewards you for that. Doesn't he, Craig? Yes. Yes, he does. I'm going to talk about reward in a moment because I actually want to just go back and just do a quick recap of, you know, and then I want to end on this point because I believe it's a really powerful point. Why should we forgive? Number one, because we, God is the judge and not us. Um, we are called, if we want to love God, we need to love his creation. We need to trust that he will, he will deliver. And I want to end on this one point of um, when David cut off the hem of his garment, some, you know, some people think that oh, it was just to prove that he got close to him. No, that actual hem, that part of the garment was what signified that he was the king, that Saul was the king. Because back in those days, that, the, that part of the robe was signified what level in society they were. And that part of the garment was actually a, a symbol that he was the king. And when David cut that off, it was, it was like, well, actually in the verse it says that uh, God will deliver your enemy into your hands to do with as you wish. And what David did in that moment when, when he did deliver Saul into his hands, he chose to stake claim to the position that God had called him to in that moment, that he'd been anointed for, I think it was seven years earlier or whatever, that he'd been working under as an apprentice, uh, as a servant. And he became, he, he then was at that moment, he's like, right, I'm taking the royalty. And later on, Saul, that's why Saul turns around when he holds it up to him. Saul turns around and says, you will be king. That's almost, it wasn't necessarily him. Who knows what the context was or anything, but David was holding that royalty there. And God will always, he holds up success for those who are upright, not right away. 
it can come years later. I've found, I've just held myself, I kept forgiving, kept forgiving through a bad situation. And years, I'm talking five, 10 years later, I see the goodness of God come through where I see that he's actually delivered me what he promised in that moment. And God is the one that gave it to me. I didn't go out and try to claim it for myself. God delivered that thing for me. So I want you to hold on to that. You may have lost something in this moment. Someone may have taken something away from you right now, but there will come a time where God will hold up success for you. If you stay upright, if you stay righteous, if you stay blameless through this season, he will deliver for you. I want to um, end there and just end in prayer. And then I'll hand it back over to you to close off the service. Um, Lord, we, we thank you, especially in this moment where we talk about forgiveness. We thank you that you're the one that forgave us. That even though like all the things, Lord, that I've done, that you were actually able to come through and forgive me. I thank you that you gave me that gift. And I, I pray for the strength that I will continue to carry that through. That each person under my voice has the strength and courage to continue to rise above situations, to exercise empathy, and to repay good for evil. As we can see forgiveness exercised in our life, that we can stand out as your disciples, as your representatives on earth, that we are sharing the forgiveness that we have received to those that have wronged us. Lord, I pray that each, every one of us can, whatever that is that we're carrying that unforgiveness, that we're carrying that hurt for, Lord, I, I declare that today you will begin that journey, that you will show the first step so that we can forgive in this situation in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a